Thank you for listening to this week's podcast from the Horsham Church of Christ. For more information, please visit our website at www.horsham.org.au. Um, I just had this image, I was out the back as I was getting changed and uh, as I came out of uh, the room, uh, I came out and here was, Tom had just got changed and come out and just had his arms wrapped around his dad and his dad had his arms around and not, not a word spoken, not a word spoken, not, not in the time that I walked past anyway and for me that was just an incredible image of uh, God the Father who loves us. And I don't know where you are today or what's happening in your relationship or maybe you think you don't deserve it or maybe you think there's too many other things that can distract you or maybe you don't feel like you're worthy of that. But what I want to say to you today in that image is that if you just run to God, he just wants to wrap his arms around you. Uh, It might not be as physical as what Tom and Mark experienced today, but when we do that and when we encounter that, um, God changes us uh, and awakens us. Uh, so we want to continue our series uh, called uh, Jesus Times One, uh, Continue and Conclude. Uh, do you continue and conclude on the same day? Yes. Uh, but So this is our series, Jesus Times One. Uh, and part of that today is, uh, for those of you who were here last week, uh, I did some reflections and some stories about my time in uh, India and Indonesia in, in March. And so today I want to kind of give you some takeaways uh, I've got 16 different things I want to give you. <laughs> uh, who just checked their watch? Yeah, no, I'm not going to give you 16 things. I've grouped them together. But the thing about Jesus times one um, that uh, I think is really significant for us is that Jesus times one is never just about one. What we need to understand, as much as Jesus or God is interested in us and God the Father wants to wrap our arms around us and to know us and to be in relationship with us, the reason that he does that then is that so that we know who we are because we know and discover and continue to discover more of who God the Father is. And as we know who we are and as Jesus ministers to us, we're actually called to go out. There's not a story in Scripture that I can think, maybe one story where Philip baptises the Ethiopian in the Gospel of John, where Jesus influences one person and then he says, you just go and live in your own little world now. There's not a story in Scripture where Jesus says, now that you've known me, now that you encounter me, now that you've experienced me, you just go and do what you like according to your own pattern and rhythm. It doesn't happen. What Jesus, in fact, does is so invested in you as one and actually in everyone else as one that he actually then sends and releases you out, releases me out. You'll see stories, if you read scriptures, and I encourage you to be reading scriptures uh, about Jesus, and he says, now that you know this, now that you've experienced this, now that you've encountered this, now go back in your community and tell them what God has done for you. There are some, he says, now that you know this, now that you've experienced this, now that you've encountered this, come follow me. And one of the things I think we need to get over in the church a little bit, and even the Christian world, is that this is a personal, private faith. And there is an element where it is personal and it is private because we've got to do some work in the quiet places. 
We have to do some work in our relationship with Jesus in a quietness of reading scriptures or praying or wrestling or arguing or struggling or weeping or laughing at who God is and what he calls us to be. But it's always, always must be shaped and expressed and lived out in community. It is not so private that we are isolated. Does that make sense? So this Jesus times one, what I want to do, because, and I say that with a recognition that many of you, many of us, are alive and active, but maybe we do not realise the full extent to which we are witnesses. So I want you to think today about where you are right now, apart from not, not just here at this time, sitting in these seats right now, but where you are in your workplace what kind of relationship you have with neighbours, what kind of relationship you have with colleagues, what kind of relationship you have with people who you buy your coffee from and recognise their name and know who they are, or go to the local cafe. How am I a witness to them? I'm not asking you to tell them the whole life story. I'm not asking you to tell everything about the Gospels. I'm not asking you to pull them outside of everything that they do. Um, what I'm asking us is how are we witnesses? And the question in all this is, what's my next step? Two questions today. What's my next step? Or what's one thing I can do today? And if we're asked that of God every day, what would it look like to serve and live as witness to who he is? Now, some of us don't be overwhelmed by this. I think we get a bit overwhelmed by this question, but I think it's a really simple question. And it might be while we're caring for people. It might be while we're finding, you know, what's in the hard slog? What's one thing I can do for you today, God? Who's one person you want me to be aware of today? It's not a test, test a trick question. I was reminded this morning, just a, a slight aside, I was reminded this morning that you, you've listened to a lot of different messages. I was told about a message that I gave within three or four weeks of our first arriving in Horsham about wearing layers and layers and layers of clothing and just stripping off my clothes till I got, I think I might have got down to shorts, which is like horrific for me on the platform, um, shorts and t-shirt. Um, and then I said, and what was the message about? There was crickets. Can't remember. Now, if, if you think, you can probably, all the messages that some of you have heard, you can probably only remember one or two things out of all that. And the task is not to actually remember the messages. The task is to actually say, what can I do with this now? And in fact, some messages that you heard a long time ago when you first came to faith or started rocking up on a Sunday at some stage... They should be messages that you forget because you've matured and you've grown because of the personal private investment that you've made in your relationship with Jesus. And there are some questions that stay with us. And maybe these are one of the questions that could stay with us. What's one thing that I can do to serve and be a witness to you today, for you today, Father? How can I serve you? How do you want me to serve others? However you want to frame the question. So I have some highlights or some takeaways from my uh, trip to India and Indonesia. I'm staying on the floor. I'm sorry if you can't see me. I just feel like I need to be on the floor. I want to be close and personal to you today. <laughs> Jared's just looking at me. Not too close, man. Uh, Blake Moore kept saying this while we're over in India and Indonesia. 
the passionate, authentic spirituality of people. And that's what we saw all the time. People were desperate and hungry to encounter Jesus in every conversation. Those who were in part of the training colleges that we were visiting and doing some teaching in, they were hungry and they were desperate. They were crying out for God to shape them, influence them, change them. They were not ashamed. They were not embarrassed. They were witness to Jesus in the midst of rejection. They, they were facing that where I think in Australia, the great enemy of Australians and even the West as a whole is apathy. We become too afraid of what others will think of us. We become too afraid if people don't accept us or they don't accept the message, they don't accept us or that we've failed God. And that's not actually true. If people don't accept the message that we have, they just don't accept the message that we have. How we stay in relationship with those people is on us. As long as they're people of peace. But these people, they're going into places where people are not people of peace. They're being cast out of the village. Some of them are actually being refused food in their own villages and they continue to remain witness to Jesus. Some of that means they just sit, they wait, they serve, they say nothing, they adopt the disabled children, they adopt the uh, mentally unstable children, they take these children into their homes, which is not how Indian culture operates. And so they see it and they're, on the, they're watching the witch doctors involved and try to um, heal people and they're not being healed. And then one day someone says, oh, there's someone who believes in Jesus. We're so desperate, we'll try anything. They go, they pray, they see healing and the gospel continues to spread. And that's in the midst of rejection. We are so afraid of rejection, we say nothing often. And they're passionate and hungry to learn the word of God as truth. I just want to encourage us, if you're, if you're new to faith, if you're old in faith, read the word. Here's the thing. When I talk to people about reading the words, often uh, reading the scriptures, often I hear is, I don't understand it all. Do you understand every science textbook that you've ever read? Do you understand and can you memorize every name of every novel that you've read? Are you able to understand everything that every author has put in a novel? Probably not. Now, not all of us are readers. That's okay. We have this wonderful invention called the audio Bible. We spend time in our cars, we spend time on our iPods, all sorts of things. So there's ways that we can do it. Be passionate to know the Word and, and to experience the Word, to encounter the Word so that the Word changes us. The only way God, the Word is going to change us is if we're engaged with it don't have to understand if you understand everything that's in this book guess who that would make you that would make you god do you want that responsibility just read it and ask god to minister to you to reveal new things to you bring it on sunday write on it if or write on your on your smart tablets whatever they're called phones smart technology that's so psalms 118 verse 8 says it is better to take refuge in the lord than to trust in humans psalm 119 105 your word is a lamp for my feet and a light of my path is god's word lighting your path in the midst of your 
in your trials, your celebrations, your struggles, your heartache, your joys at the moment? Does God's word light those circumstances? See, it's a falsehood to believe that because we believe in God, our life is going to go smoothly from now on. And so we need a light cast upon our lives. And I would argue we need a light cast upon our lives, especially when things are going well, because that's when we reject God and step outside the will of God. Luke chapter 12, verses 8 to 12 says, I tell you, whoever publicly acknowledges me before others, the Son of Man will also acknowledge before the angels of God. When you are brought before synagogues, rulers and authorities, do not worry about how you will defend yourselves or what you will say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what you should say. You're not always going to get it right. I don't always get it right. Surprising, I know. Maybe about 25 mistakes standing on the platform already that I'm going inside my head about. The trust in the Holy Spirit to ask Him to reveal opportunities. The Gospel of Mark says, is it the Gospel of Mark? Another mistake, I don't know. Mark or Matthew says, um, even if you give someone a cup of cold water in my name. It doesn't have to be glamorous. So, so many people talk about the call of God and we want this great big glamorous, I want it all locked down and I want to be you know what the call of God is? Go and do your jobs well. Go and love your husbands well. Go and love your wives well. Go and love your children well. Cheer others on. And when someone complains and moans about you, when someone else makes your life hard, excellent. Go and love them well. I think the other thing that I learned from India and Indonesia, that Jesus is still building his church in all her forms. I was out the other day and uh, out for a run and I was having this conversation, I was trying to frame it so it might sound a bit messy. If people heard me, people who didn't know Jesus heard me talking about the church or talking about followers of Jesus or Christians, however you want to frame that, would that actually intrigue them or put them off? Now, Jesus is building his church and he wants to partner with us. And the thing that I saw and learnt and was reminded of, we spent a lot of time saying that church like this or that church didn't do it right or that church upset me or this church needs to do this or this church doesn't do that anymore or big church is wrong or small church is wrong. Hey, guess what? We're flinging mud at the bride of Christ and at each other. When we complain about the church, I hope we're putting our hand up and saying, I'm a part of this. But actually, Jesus want to takes that and says, hey, 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 slow down. I'm building my church. You get in step with me and let's see what happens. Matthew chapter 16 says, who do you say I am? And Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades, will, the gates of hell, will not overcome it. 
think we forget to believe that. This is a battle. We're taking strongholds here, friends. If the gates of Hades, the gates of hell will not overcome it, that means we've got to stand up to the gates and say, hey, we're in partnership with Jesus. We're about his building, his kingdom expression, not mine. Jesus is building his church and he invites us to partner with him. The thing about seeing people get baptised over 20, 25 years of being in ministry, I don't actually convince anyone to do this. I can talk about it, I can explain it, I can even put it out in a neat little step-by-step kind of program and it's not until someone has an encounter or a revelation or a light goes on in their own spirit that they say, I want to do that. It's a revelation of the Holy Spirit. That doesn't stop the invitation. But we can't force anyone. But Jesus is building his church. And I'll tell you what, I want to be a part of what Jesus is doing. Jesus remains and continues to be good news. That's not a shocking statement, is it? Okay, maybe it is. Um, God still does miracles and testimony is powerful. Jesus is good news. Does anyone believe that? Just checking. Do we still believe that God does miracles? And your testimony is powerful. Your witness is powerful. But Simon, God hasn't done anything for me. Okay. What do you, what do you, because when I hear that, I want to suggest you're comparing it to someone. Wait, you might not have been the drug addict, you might not have been the alcoholic, you might not have been whatever. I've grown up in church my whole life, I've been in church, I've heard countless messages, well I won't say I've heard countless messages, I've been around while countless messages have been spoken (laughs) haven't necessarily heard them you know the feeling don't you Um, but it doesn't make my story and my testimony less powerful than someone else, ask God what's my story, show me my story how have you worked in my life God what can I share this week with someone Father remind me Father of what you've done I could tell you about struggling with mental health i could tell you about struggling with call i could tell you struggling with role i could i could talk about all sorts of things and how god has shaped that mark chapter 5 says jesus was getting into the boat and the man who had been demon possessed begged to go with him there's a whole story in that which is just fantastic this guy who was demon possessed he'd been tied up in chains the community no longer knew what to do with him they kind of put him in the graveyard and said man just go your hardest just leave us alone he they couldn't tie him up with chains he was naked he was messy he would have been disheveled probably would have stunk and jesus heals him and this is one of those moments demon possessed man begged to go with jesus and jesus did not let him but said Go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. This is from the city that Jesus was leaving because they had no faith and he can do many miracles there. (laughs) How cool is that? I don't think you're getting how cool that is. 
Jesus is walking away from a city because he couldn't do many miracles because he had no faith. And now the guy that they tried to avoid, ignore and put away in the graveyard was going back into that city to tell them all that Jesus had done for him. So maybe we're not called out of Horsham. That's okay. We've got a great opportunity to go back into the city and speak of all that Jesus has done for us. Regardless of your age, if you're at school and you're going, I don't know what Jesus has done, okay, ask. If you've been at work in the same place for 25 years and you don't know, or you've met, perhaps you've been a terrible employee, ask God to do a work in you and then tell your colleagues what the work is that God is doing in you. Generosity, hospitality and kindness still has value. Again, astounding kind of stuff, isn't it? But everywhere we went in India and Indonesia, they had food. And they told us to eat. Now, some food I, I just couldn't bring myself to try. I'm sorry, I was weak and so was my guts. Um, but just the outpouring of hospitality and generosity and no sense of complaining, didn't feel this sense of complaining. And, and again, we can't all do it the same way. You don't have to do it how I do it, how Jared and Arell do it, how Peter and Diane or she. It's not about doing it the same way as everyone else. What do you have? What do you have? And what are we willing to offer to Jesus for him to multiply? Mark chapter 2 says, While Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. I just think that's an incredible invitation. Maybe I could do better at having dinner with people I don't necessarily get. To learn, to live, to teach, to go, to replicate and then repeat. Just um, Eddie Leo in Indonesia, the senior pastor of the Abba Love Church, he asked a question, they do microcells. And here's a challenge if you're in life groups or you're discipling or training someone. The fruits of the Spirit in Galatians 5, you know, the fruit of the Spirit is love, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, joy, self-control, goodness there's nine of them and so they get their life group uh, new new followers of Jesus and they gather them together and you know the person's responsible for their cell and their microcell and they say right now here's the fruit of the spirit here's the evidence that God is at work in our life am I joyful am I good am I faithful am I kind Am I a person of self-control? Now, you watch me and examine me and you let me know when I'm not doing those things or you don't see those fruits in my life. What? The whole idea about the mode and operation of discipleship in these countries is about you learn, you live out your learning, you teach others, you go, you're in the village or you're in the cities or you're in the townships, you replicate that, you replicate what you learn and then you leave those people to participate in it and then you go. 
How much training does the demon-possessed man have? None. What? No diploma? No certificate? Has he read scripture? What? I couldn't possibly do that, Simon. No, you're not demon-possessed. You're streets ahead of him. I'm sorry. Maybe you would. No, no, stop. Even if you had 10,000 guardians in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I became your father through the gospel. Therefore, I urge you to imitate me. For those of you who have been followers of Jesus for a long period of time, is there anyone imitating you? For those of us who are new in faith, or perhaps we've gone a little way along the road, who are you imitating? Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. My life needs to point you to the life of Jesus. That's a pretty tough question, isn't it? And then what we're meant to do, again, get this, it's not about going back into ourselves and saying this didn't work, that didn't work. When we're talking like this, my question to you is this, is God big enough to overcome your obstacles? Have you trusted Jesus with that? Man, it's just knocked the wind out of a few people, hasn't it? So this idea, I showed if you read through Luke chapter 1 now, this is my math, it's not my math, this is someone else's idea. Luke chapter 9, Jesus sends out the 12. In Mark chapter 6, we're told the 12 are sent out two by two. We're not told that until Luke chapter 10 here, but stay with me. 12 sent. The argument is that 12 are sent out two by two and each group of two find 12. They disciple 12. They multiply those groups, that group become the 72 that Jesus sends out in the next chapter. Those 72 become the 500 that were those who are witness to the resurrection and those 500 become the 3,000 who respond to the good news at Pentecost because they go out two by two because they learn, because they live, because they teach, because they go and then because they replicate. don't you love how I'm giving you this stuff and then I'm just going to leave you with it but you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth that call and that invitation is actually no different if you've made a decision a declaration to follow Jesus and if you walk through the waters of baptism you are witnesses You are not judge and jury, you are witnesses. You cannot save, you cannot convict, you are witnesses. So go and witness. Be an example. Be life, be light. Express generosity. Love others, love everyone, even those who annoy us, love them. Find a way to love them if you don't know how to do that. Send them a gift voucher. Let them know that you've been thinking about them. Write them a card. Ring them up and invite them out for coffee. Invite them to your house for a meal. What does it look like to be a witness? You don't have to fix it. don't have to solve it. Just be a witness.
and we could be a witness, I think, if we asked a simple question. What's my next step, Jesus? What do you want me to do today, Jesus? How can I serve? How can I bless? What's one thing I can do today, Jesus? Knowing who you are, and let's not lose sight of who God is, because if we lose sight of who God is, we lose sight of who we are. This is not about doing something to earn God's love. This is about living out of the overflow of God's love. About recognising what God has done, who He is and therefore who I am in Him and therefore able to go out and serve as a witness. Does that make sense? Happy to have a conversation. (laughs) Um, Look, honestly, I don't think we are far away from seeing some exciting things in this city. I take our vision really seriously to be transforming our community in the name of Jesus. I don't care how old you are, I don't care how how young you are. But if I thought about the people that are sitting in this room now and some who aren't amongst us and the places where you're working, the neighbourhoods that you're a part of, the relationships that you have with your family, we are already alive and active as witnesses in our community. But what's just one thing I can do that might awaken something new and fresh in me and therefore in others? What's just one step I might be able to take today? It might be as simple how I've got out of touch with who God is. I need to get back into reading His Word. That might be this week. It might be, hey, you know what, I haven't been particularly gracious or kind to my boss or to my colleague. Or maybe there's someone in our school, in our schoolyard. Or maybe there's someone in our neighbourhood. Look, it might be that, you know, I'm going to walk around my neighbourhood and I'm going to pray for my neighbours. I'm going to ask God to reveal something in my neighbourhood that I can serve in or care for or someone in the neighbourhood that I can care for and love. It doesn't have to be huge. And I hope that there might be conversations that go. It's, it's, it's kind of all of this. So friends, thanks team. We're going to close with a song that says, No longer slaves to fear. I don't know where you are or what's holding you back or what's holding us back. Maybe there's something that's holding us back and maybe it's, you know, we're, often it's what other people think about us, what other people have said about us in the past, what the experiences have been. Maybe experiences haven't been great. Today could be the day where you say, I'm not going to live by fear anymore. And it might be the moment, as much as we sing this song, I want, you know, declare it. If you're not sure about it, listen to it. If you're not sure about it, maybe just sing it out. If you don't know the tune or a bit nervous about singing in tune, just sing anyway or state it. Say it. I'm no longer a slave to fear. Not because of anything that we have done, not because of anything what we have or don't have. It's because of what God has done. And that's the imitation. And maybe that moment about breaking out of fear is actually stepping out of your seat, walking down the front and asking for prayer or saying, I want to follow Jesus. I don't know what tomorrow holds. I'm a little bit nervous. I'm a little bit apprehensive. You know, I've made some mistakes in my past. Joe's story, I made mistakes in my past and I'm not allowing them to determine who I am from now on. That could be your story.
you've seen a witness and been test, uh, heard the testimony today. What will determine this moment for you? And what will determine, who will determine the steps that you take in the days ahead?